Hi everyone, my name is Dr. Deb Roberts and I am the host for season two of the Mind Medicine Australia's podcast. Before we begin with this week's guest, a reminder that Mind Medicine Australia's focus is on the development and the use of evidence-based psychedelic-assisted therapies within regulated healthcare systems. We do not, though, encourage the use of psychedelic medicines outside of this context, and we do not support the use of these substances in any way that is unlawful. This podcast is intended for educational purposes only. None of the content herein constitutes medical advice. Guests' views are their own and do not represent the views of Mind Medicine Australia, and individuals need to discuss their individual healthcare needs with their healthcare providers. Thank you for listening. Well, welcome uh, to the Mind Medicine Australia podcast, Van. It's really nice to see you, albeit um, through the internet. Um, you've got a lot um, going on in your in the background, which some people won't um, see because they'll be just listening. Um, but I'm really excited to um, to have a conversation. I just thought at the beginning, just for about 30 seconds, just for ourselves to um, me more than um, uh, me as much as anyone else, um, just to take a moment, maybe it's a, a couple kind of sighs or, uh, you know, a breathing out to just rid of kind of stale um, air or energy that just doesn't um, serve the conversation um, we're about to have. Um, for me, tend to um, plant my feet um, on the ground and just the sit for the sense of steadiness, the aspect of earth and the roots um, deep um, within uh, allowing to uh, perhaps connect in this conversation and just for that, I guess, cause of um, something um, perhaps deeper and higher than um, ourselves. And just when you're ready, just letting the eyes flutter open, just allowing the um, opportunity. Sometimes when I open my eyes again, there's just a little bit of a um, clear picture and sometimes not. So um, welcome. Thank you very much, and thank you for that little uh, intro and drop-in. It's, uh, yeah, greatly received. And um, I know that you have, there's so much really in your background to potentially um, communicate about. So I wonder whether or not, of course, we're going to get to, um, you know, relationship with the psychedelic um, space, etc. But I wonder if we could start, if you're happy to, of just... Um, just in this moment, perhaps, um, kind of in where you're at, what you feel um, particularly connected to um, at present, and that can be literally in the moment, or how do you feel connected? Um, at this very stage of my life, um, there's a deep sense of gratitude and appreciation. Um, yeah, I feel we'll get to it a little bit later, um, and... Yeah, my life has had periods of high-level challenges, and and this moment in time is is one of gratitude, appreciation, and and blessings. And it's not without challenge, but I feel it's it's far more inclinated towards um, um, 
yeah, just the appreciation of what is. And um, yeah, that that's something to, to anchor in in every moment. Absolutely. And I think that, um, you know, I it's been a theme that's kind of been a thread as well within some of the conversations I've had um, with people and the, um, you know, when people aren't feeling connected, um, you know, I've mentioned before, and I told you before we started, uh, my own sister who, um, you know, sadly ended her life not feeling um, connected to anything, which is what, you know, can occur when um, people um, are, um, you know, very unwell. So I don't think people are ever well when the, those choices are made. But um, at the same time, it's just an important, um, I find it's nice to start, um, you know, in that space. And I wonder if now just as a background, you can kind of choose how you'd like to start just in terms of just a little bit for listeners who haven't, um, who don't know your history. You can start on day one when you were born. No. <laughs> With whatever feels right when you were a kid or whatever um, background you'd like to share with the listeners and with me today. Ah, thank you. And, and yeah, I guess there's a lot of detail that will get surmised. But uh, yeah, grew up out west in country, sort of far north New South Wales in a small country town called Moree. Mm-hmm. Um, was born into an environment of... Yeah, I, I would sort of experiential classify it as uh, extreme scarcity. Um, there was a lot of violence, a lot of aggression. Um, we were extremely poor and we lived in a place that was, yeah, highly confrontational. Um, there was family dynamics that were going on within that that were challenging. And um, through that period, um yeah, some, some really big traumas were inflicted upon me uh, without consent. Um, there was a lot of physical violence, but there was also uh, two instances of sexual trauma um, at age seven and age 12. I lost my brother through illness um, when I was nine years old. He had Hodgkin's disease and, and passed just before my 10th birthday. Um, we were sent away for the year prior to that to live with relatives uh, down in another small town where my mother was from with um, aunties and grandparents for a year whilst that treatment and process was happening um, and then returning um, into that, yeah, sort of sports always been a theme for me. Sports being a way to escape. Um, I didn't hardly speak when I was younger um, for various reasons. Um, my voice was, I wouldn't say taken, but it was threatened in a way that um, caused a great deal of fear. So my response to that was literally not to speak. Um, that within itself created other dynamics that were challenging throughout school and whatnot. But as I said, sport was a place where I felt I could express myself and also looking back in hindsight, it was my number one tool to alchemize and transmute energy. Um, I was drawn to sports that were, they used to call them contact sports, but um, now they call them collision sports. So rugby league was my first love. Uh, I am a rugby league 
uh, player at heart who just happened to have a frame that was suited to rugby union. So when I was about 17, um, sort of got talked into going out to the local rugby club at Moree and started playing sort of at 17, 18, I played league and rugby. And um, up until that point, there was a rogue part of me that was expressing itself quite unhealthily. Um, started drinking uh, at about 13, smoking cigarettes, um, small country town, not much to do. So a lot of people were smoking sort of marijuana out there. So that became a regular thing. Uh, was quite confused and disruptive at school, got expelled when I was 15, went back when I was 17 to do 11 and 12, and then moved to Brisbane from there. And that was that was such a catalyst and shift environmentally to move out of that town to Brisbane, um, grow up Lord to Brisbane through South Rugby. There was a, um, a guy called Doubles Daily who came all the way out to watch the grand final and um, of my Colts team and I got man of the match in that game and he invited me to move to Brisbane and, and play for South Rugby and um, that started a pretty impactful journey of mine um, from the age of 19 to I retired when I was just shy of my 37th birthday, which was a pretty long career uh, in a sport like that and in a position that I played, which was tight head second row. And um, within that, got to live a dream I never even knew I had. I I, I didn't have the highest self-esteem and, and sort of uh, self-worth or even deservedness. And yeah, from, from how I grew up, the polarity of what I was able to experience through the sport, um, that I didn't even know existed till I was about 15. Um, yeah, from there I lived in Ireland, um, played for the Queensland Reds, um, played over in New Zealand, played for the New South Wales Waratahs, back to the Reds, then to Italy for a year, played a short term in France, um, a year in Tokyo, a year in Osaka before returning back to Queensland Reds to play for another five years there. And um, the back end of that was quite an impactful time in my experience. Um, I'd um, had a collapsed disc in my neck um, and lost complete use of the right side of my body, the upper limb from a neck where the actual nerve root was entrapped uh, between two osteophytes and rehab that came back uh, in 2012 and went to lift in a line out my arm just stop working again and and pretty much knew it was uh the end at that point in time um concurrently at that time my sister was living with me and terminally ill with cancer um and yeah the subsequent decade was a pretty hot time as well so I had a hot decade to start and then last decade was um filled with some really high level stuff. I retired from footy and then was driving down the coast and someone uh, ran up the back of my car and um, yeah, that acutely aggravated my neck again. I lost use of my arm for another six to eight months and was told that I was permanently disabled at that point because of the reoccurring injuries. And 
that's when things shifted. For whatever reason, I, I felt a higher calling. And there was a degree of trauma response to that. The, the people pleaser, I was on a crusade to save my sister's life uh, and regenerate and heal my own body. And um, yeah, that is where everything shifted, I feel. And yeah, another chapter of my life began. Uh, each time I do the, the um, you know, when I hear some of the background that people um, communicate about and choose to communicate um, about, of you know, what we, um, you know, kind of, uh, you know, what were these kind of moments in time or time periods um you said the word polarity and it is so um you know that rings really true in the sense of um what you're experiencing early on um in life which you know um should never happen um and then finding i think you said alkalizing and something else coming um with the rugby utilizing um alkalizing and you used another word uh, alchemy and transmutation. Transmutation, yes, alchemy and transmutation. And I haven't heard that description of how we, um, I don't know if that's mobilizing suffering or we're trying, obviously, balancing out aspects of, in you know, in some ways, injustice or whatever it might be that we have actually experienced um, from a felt sense in an embodied sense and then you being I just had that like a vision of I haven't seen any of you of you and playing um, rugby myself but in terms of how how impacting that was and necessary perhaps um, as a way to just um, I don't know my hands are going kind of like where we bring something like when we purge or when we have um, get something out and the fact that you talked about you know your voice and not I just you know get goosebumps in the sense of how then expression does come um you know over time and then you were explaining more uh, you know family illness and um you know uh, the lack of control there um so to speak um but it sounds as though um you're a survivor for sure <laughs> I haven't said that on this yet but I mean maybe every, you know think anyone who has um, transcended in some ways or at least found ways to um, heal so to speak but I wonder if you want to come back to the um, rugby aspect of the playing time was how many years you had played for 13? Um, professionally for about 14-15 years yeah um so I imagine that also even though you're talking about transmutation and you know um alchemy etc that it's not like that was rainbows you know everything easy um by any means but I imagine because you just said it was like a, you know something that you haven't um you weren't expecting or even felt as you said deserved and then you had this in a way a dream come true um I don't know how do you feel that it shaped with the injuries as well so the the kind of the ability from when you were young to you know have energy coming out in a way that um you know that sport does have a beautiful way of um harnessing that so to speak but at the same time sport is not um a hundred percent clean 
<laughs> clean either. It's uh um, you know, it's also, you know, at a professional level, it's very competitive, difficult. Um, your body is under so much um, I was about to say construction, but um destruction in some respect. So I wonder around those, I don't know, um, that was a large point of part of your life in that regard. Um, I don't know if there's any particular um, aspect of how either with injury and then rehabilitating, how you kind of navigated that. Um, yeah, and, and that's a really good question. As, as as I see things in my mind, I'm a very visual person and I love the, the quantum physics realm of, of the field, like and everything's equal parts positive and negative. And it was a dream I never knew I had and I accept there's the 50% that's negative to that experience. And, and some of the organizations had um, high degrees of toxicity and were pretty poorly run. And it's a sport that has 100% injury rate. So you are, you are telling your body at times, and, and, and that was part of my journey uh, post-football, was the, the polarity of one day I was this, I was at my peak, I was playing my best rugby, one day and after that game i was never playing again and when something is such a big part of yeah. your identity and your purpose and your passion and feels so many parts of what that holistic health looks like when that's just ripped i had the gift to see what it was giving me like and, and what was taken away in a moment and that void that was left was just something that I didn't even know existed and accompanied by the sensory issue that I had with, I'm not sure if you've ever had high level nerve pain. I um, think did. Yeah, and, and it's, it's debilitating and, and I couldn't move my arm. I couldn't even bring, like my rehab started at month four of me being able to bring my fingers, tips of my fingers to my thumb and just looking at that. But this whole side of my body dissipated into skin and bone. This other side was still as big as what it is. And I couldn't hang the washing out. I couldn't do all of these things. I'd express myself through a physical filter so heavily and then... It was just replaced by, and I've read a lot about productive neurosis, like sort of with the masculine expression and the mas masculine energy. And, and if when you produce physically and then that's taken away, it, all of the essence of what you are receiving from is gone, as well as the chemical response with that, like looking at the dopamine, the oxytocin, the serotonin, and the endorphins. Like I went from being this chemist that just was producing and producing in this warehouse to just shop shut, do your best, go sit in your corner and just sit in this level of pain that was just something I didn't even know existed, not only physically, but there was a, a real spiritual pain of witnessing my sister suffer in the way that she did inside my house. I'm a, I am a hugely sensory person. I feel things deeply and 
looking back on it, I, I needed to in my environment of childhood. Like, I don't know if you've, this was another thing for me, walking up and down Jones Avenue, which was the main street. We lived on the edge of town, the western edge. Beyond that is plenty of nothing and then Ayers Rock and we are proper bush, like middle of nowhere. And walking along, you see a group of people, you cross the street, they cross the street. You cross the street back, they cross the street back. And it's just this ongoing threat and choice around shit, do I keep walking or do I turn and run? Like sort of, because where I live, yeah, that wrong decision, you're on the ground in the fetal, getting fed by about three or four guys and bashed shit out of, like, and that's just walking home from school. Like, uh, I, I remember, I think I was in grade three or four, and my nickname, for better or worse, was Rocky because I'm Van Junior, so we needed a nickname just because that was Dad's name and just to make it easy. And, and Rocky Balboa, the movie came out recently after that, and, and it was just, it was an invitation that I never wanted into a space that I never cared for, and that was an aggressive space, sort of, um, there was a lot of violence in our house, and looking back, one of the four memories I did have of my childhood from before 12 was one of, yeah, being a really highly conflicting space between my parents, and my brother went out into that and I chose, as a four-year-old, scared out of your wits, I went back into the bedroom to comfort myself and I berated myself over that choice subconsciously for the next 40 years, like sort of that I didn't go out there and, and support like in that conflict and, and sort of my brother did. And I four years that, old. Hey? At four years old. Yeah. Yeah, and um, that's, um, I mean, that's an incredible, um, yeah, four years old to have to make that decision. Um, yeah, I'm sure it doesn't matter who's telling you that you, you know, you had no, you know, you were probably the safest in where you stayed at that, at that moment. Yeah, and it it's sort of, you just don't realize the power when I first started to look into the human sort of condition and the human expression. And, and I, I feel with my performance background, I was gifted an opportunity to be exposed to some absolutely beautiful environments to learn and increase my understanding of, of the mechanics of us, like through a sporting lens. And we would do, all sorts of different things in the preseason. A lot of them aligned with special forces training, army, navy, SAS, um, and being exposed to high level resilience under extreme sort of discomfort. And 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 I'm so grateful. In reflection, looking back on that, that that I had this will from my childhood, like sort of nothing's either completely good and completely bad I was compelled by those experiences and by my childhood to move away from that space yeah. and I was willing to go to some absolute extremes of physical expressions and it set me apart from the other people because I had had that experience 
and there was no way I was going back. And I was willing to endure a level of pain and suffering that made me a really good football player, especially in the position I played. And that was a gift. That is the gift from that experience that it gave me the opportunity to travel the world, to hang out with a group of people consistently and chase purpose and passion over and over again in this ideal of, of this envisioned success at the end of the season. I got to do that with my mates and I got to, to have all of the little nuances that go with that, the, the camaraderie, the, the shared vision. The, and that was from 17 to, did you say? Uh, 18, sort of 19 was the first time I travelled. Uh, yes. went to Ireland. Yep. And um, that changed, that trip specifically changed my life. I, I, I went to a little small town on the east coast of Ireland called, oh, west coast, called Limerick and played for a team called Gary Owen. And when I left, I was still just, I hardly spoke. I was this shy, um, super introvert um, who used to come to life on a football field. But there's something about the Irish energy and the Irish culture that created a degree of safety and a place that's like, it was the first time I'd ever flown on a plane. Like it, it was the first time I'd ever been anywhere but sort of four or five places on the planet. And next thing, I was in Limerick. We were catching private jets to Spain for the weekend. And I was, yeah, one of the finalists in the Irish Bachelor of the Year competition. And it was just like this this freedom geographically that that let me be able to start to express. And, and I, I, I do garner a bit of mysticism that I kissed the Blarney Stone at Blarney Castle and yeah my, my friends when I got back just going who the hell are you like you hardly spoke five words last year and now we can't shut you up like and 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 that was a big turning point in not only my rugby sort of career but also for me personally in my ability to feel safe enough to start express parts of me that I felt was still so immature and stuck in that experience of the past um, well I know that the you know our, the environment that we're in wherever we find ourselves in including you know for that I'm imagining you on the plane you know the first plane going um you know having not been on a plane before or not having gone um international uh that you know, the fact that you found then a sense of safety in some way or safety, um, a feeling of safety to begin to start that next um, phase of communicating. Uh, you said before we started, you know, to stop you if you were talking, you know, too much, which you're not, by the way. Um, but isn't it, you're making up for lost time as well. Um, but I say that, you know, with jest, but I um, I know it's also very serious. Um, how, um, when you, cause you talked about with your sister, um, you had come home and had your own injury at, at the same time that she was sick. Is that, am I right with that? And she was living with you yes. or you were in the same, right. 
but that was she was up at Rockhampton and the treatment was here well I lived in Brisbane at the time so she moved in and then my parents moved up and in as well to care for her um she was receiving weekly chemo at that point mm -hmm. and it sounds just again around I don't know you talking about an environment um where um where there is suffering and I, I guess I um you know we can be sitting like we are today and in a safe relatively safe environment you're looking at mine and I'm looking at yours it looks as though safe but you know not um you know sometimes you can still feel very unsafe um in different environments but even in your own um environment and the level of suffering I imagine based on the um different things you've talked about already which are so there's you know like almost 20 different things that you you know not about numbers but in terms of different um you know really traumatic circumstances and then also again I, I'm going back to that polarity but there's you there's been this like um amazing times where you just said about where your expression came back um and where you were with you know, getting to do what you loved with friends and going around, um, you know, the world, etc. So it sounds as though there's been some very impacting, joyful um, times in your life. Um, and I wonder, um, how did you then come into, um, I guess, either looking at plant medicine um, or the psychedelic space? Or is there, um, you know, you is there something you'd like to say around that time with your um being with your sister and with your own injury etc yeah um 100 uh, um the the third instance of um my neck and, and I, I, I i'll reference it now i i see the higher expression of myself not that it's above or below but I sort of, I've always gravitated towards the concept of the Atman, like um, the, the Hindu sort of, yeah, I think I got it from the Bhagavad Gita, sort of. Atma, um, yeah. yeah. So that's where that was really quite present. As it's come in really focal points at my life, and that was one of them. The other one that was really poignant was the day that I turned the age that my brother passed away there was some energetic impact of that that was massive and that was a, a that was nine point. when yeah. he left nine that? nine years old i was nine he was 21 so he passed oh. three days after he turned 21 and i was playing football and i was still being quite a rogue i was doing a lot of stuff that was yeah less than ideal in terms of optimization and expression and yeah getting into a, a bit of trouble sort of that was a remnants of a, a childhood and just very normal for me and then that day landed and there was just this overwhelming sense of importance to it that like my brother didn't get to breathe this breath or this breath or this breath and and what like, what are you going to do about that? Like, what are you going to do with this gift of love? Like, what what are you going to actually sort of make of this gift that he never got to have through, for whatever reason? Like, it, it was an illness that, yeah, just came upon him and took his life so suddenly. And, and 
the third incident of my neck was one of those moments. And up until that point, I was on a standard medical response, which was just to take an enormous amount of painkillers. I was, yeah. And the access to that, good nor bad in football, is is it's freely available. So I was self-medicating Endone, Tremor, Valium, Penadine, Fort. And there's another drug called Lyrica, which is a... I know Lyrica. My sister was yeah. on that too. Yeah, it's, it's equal parts heaven and hell. Um, I Again, went, clarity. Here we yeah, are. Yeah, I, I see the benefits of what it did. It, it dissipated the pain and also disconnected me from myself because it's the others are painkillers. I moved into orthopedic, uh, in theater orthopedic support when I finished rugby and um, I did devices and orthopedic. So I had access to a lot of literature that uh, most people don't. And yeah, Lyrica is a failed antidepressant that has a gambit of really severe side effects that nobody spoke about in my instance. And I was on a massive amount of it. I was taking 250 morning and 250 night when my sister was in palliative care. And basically they drug you to death, like try and limit pain until they give you a massive dose that kills you and that's the most humane thing to do and she wasn't even anywhere near that when they were transitioning her like uh, I was on so much juice just to abate how I was feeling and I remember saying to a friend at the end of 2012 I just I was just manically anxious and just saying i don't know if my brain's moving too fast for my body or my body's moving too fast on my brain and like looking back to that statement it, it shuts down your new neural pathway to your brainstem so it disconnects your sensory acumen from your brain to process like and no wonder i felt so off and spacey and the third instance i just had that moment that i'm not taking anything and ended up at a meditation class with my mother because we were both caring for my sister and it was taking its toll on us. Right. Um, so I asked her if she wanted to go to a breath class and that was the start of, yeah, just my journey into modalities of self-help like and, and things that could shift my state and energy without external sort of inputs and that led me to another rock bottom which was below anywhere that I felt I'd ever experienced before and that was when uh, my partner and I lost our first child to an ectopic miscarriage which almost cost her her life as well and that was, and I'll never forget it. I, I was at Mwollomba Hospital. It's up on the top of the hill. I don't know if you know the Northern Rivers very well, but there's a lot of sugar cane. And I was in theatre. Just remember it like it was yesterday, what I was wearing. The cases we've done, we've just done four cuffs with a, a friend of mine. I became friends with the surgeon and look down when I get out, 29 missed messages. It's 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 Bridgie. She was she was an air hostess. She's flying back from Perth the night before we found out that 
she was pregnant and that was just the most amazing feeling like obviously experientially you don't know what something's like until you experience it for yourself but the thought of becoming a father was something that i always wanted to be and had aspired to and then 12 hours later she's landed hemorrhaging heart like almost dying we're having these conversations i'm trying to get her out of public into private trying to find out who the best surgeons are to, to do this operation and get on a plane and get to sydney as quick as i can and i spoke to the surgeon and and he was able to wait until i got there so we could be together for a moment in that space and um yeah that was and still is of, of all the things that i've ever experienced and then reflected on like I, I feel that in my nervous system now and, and i've i've intently gone into that with healing and, and plant medicine multiple times and it's still there like the neural pathway the emotion is so high that fired in that moment that it's just it's still a thing that i'm working through to this day and, and that was the premise for I wasn't looking for plant medicine per se. It just came into my field immediately after that. And I was beating myself up. I had a I had a really intimate relationship with beration, criticism, and judgment. They were my saboteurs. It was something that was modeled when I was younger around the masculine expression. And I was just a failure. I failed as a father before I'd even begun. I couldn't do the one thing that looking back, I didn't know this was a play at the time, but when I was younger, I would swear to myself that I would protect and keep my children safe because I lacked that element in my own life. And I had drilled this into my subconscious in a way that it was like a, I, I see it as a, one of those big shipping ropes that docks the massive big container ships and like it was that's how thick that was and within 12 hours the friction between what i had told myself i would do and what i felt had happened was so far apart that it was just creating this internal strain that was breaking me with every breath and out of nowhere, a friend of mine had called. He was going through a process of apologizing to all the people that he felt he'd wronged. And I was one of these people. And um, I was shocked because this person, if, if I was to talk about them to others, I would not envision them ever being part of this process. And, and speaking in the manner that which they were speaking, it was... It was something that just drew my attention and it turns out that they had yeah sort of had a ceremony with plant medicine and this was the outcome for them and yeah shortly after that wheels in motion my own experience was done and I've experienced so many different modalities and experiences just in general in life and it just none other holds a candle to the impact of that very first um that very first ceremony that i was able to be a part of and was that which psychedelic was that 
Ah, so that was ayahuasca. And and I understand everything's relative and experientially applicable, but the very first thing I dropped into was my son. Like, like very, very first thing. Like, it was, and I, I still, I was just lying on my left side. The vision of what he looked like energetically was just crystal. I could still bring that to mind. And I lied on my left side and just held him like for what felt like for years. And the cathartic experience and the connection and the release of that experience was... And I feel I'm speaking on behalf of others and I don't like to do that often, but words and my experiences in psychedelics, they never come close to being able to hold a candle to the actual relevance for me. Like I, I, I get what happens within the human condition in these instances and understanding the mechanics of what it shuts down and lights up around the amygdala and the hippocampus and the limbic brain and how the veil falls away and the connections of the mind. And I understand the mechanics of that, but the felt experience of psychedelics is something that I personally am in awe of and am humbled with gratitude for the shift in my life from that point on it's and how old were you then then that was um, this was eight years eight nine years ago right okay yeah um and in terms of the um you know i you're not the first person to say also the you know in terms of words fall short they had also fall my words fall short sometimes um hearing um the experience and even what the um, what an appropriate um, response you know is from there and so I certainly feel feel the same um, I know people talk about the um, you know the ceremonial aspect or and or the integration of how these medicines um, support us both in the actual dosage time uh, dosage experience when you're in the experience like you just it described i wonder if you could then talk to us but post from that and you can either speak about that experience in terms of you know now that with these um legislation changes as you would be well aware and listeners but in case not the um the actual administration of the drugs is for a whatever period of time that is and then integration before and after in terms of integrating the experience into back to life that is how, you know, the life as we know it. Um, and I have heard that um, life as you know it changes um, perhaps after the uh, having had these experiences. But I wonder how integration in your, the way you would describe, how did you integrate that? I hear you said um, what was nice was a lot of release um, as well. Um, but how you integrated after the, um, you know, extraordinary experience? Uh, yeah, really good question. And, and that's been a journey around 
I, I feel given what I was dealing with, that very first experience was so overwhelming because not only did I have that about my son, I also realized that I had blocked out the first 12 years of my life. And I'd never up until that point consciously validated that I didn't remember any of my childhood apart from four, four key stories. And those stories were impactful because they were such a big part of my warning system of, of traumatic experiences, but I didn't remember the sexual trauma. I didn't remember like 99.99% of my life before 12 years old. I reached that second acute incident and gotta love the human expression and the brain. It's just gone, we are done. Like we're just packing up that. It's just too much for this poor little bugger. He can't take this. And we're just going to hold this here for him to deal with later. And and that's what it felt like. And, and it just felt like I was able to plug back in and remember all of that. But the experience was so enveloped in love. It was just, it was from love. It wasn't from this energy of you need to know this because you need to deal with this. It's like, buddy, this sucks massive balls and you need to know this to move beyond this and we are going to unpack this over time and it was overwhelming to hold so much shit in a space and then my integration was quite poor there wasn't a lot of that surrounding and I do validate my own cycle of isolation when I feel in that space. And it may very well have been there, but I wasn't having any of it. I was just sitting in my room and just trying to manage my own energetic sort of uh, resonance and what this experience was for me. And um, and, and I, I see it as the journey, like the journey of immaturity to maturity like those experiences stuck my neural pathways my developmental cycles and all the, the stuff that goes on through like everyone talks about oh, oh this one to nine theta brainwave this is your development that is not the case for people who go through trauma you get stuck in that spot that synapsis and dendrite fires on that neural pathway and you tell yourself that is a no-go zone. No matter what the fuck happens, we don't go there. Yeah. So if you're not looking at something and able to experience it, it stays, for me, it stayed immature and as an like as a child, like sort of, uh, so I was meeting that whole time as an adult with this huge gap. It was just like, you talk about the void, some people call it the void, but the gap between the incidents and where you are Without that healthy degree of support, that can be a lot to hold at any given time. And I felt overwhelmed in that initial instance uh, around holding such a volume and density of experience all at once. Um, and so I guess related to that in terms of, um, I suppose, the integration is still happening, so to speak. 
I mean, I know that was, you said eight years later, but I mean, there's, I'm sure for, um, yeah, in terms of integration um, from what I, you know, we were talking about for these, the drugs that are being, legis the legislation change for MDMA and psilocybin to be able to, um, you know, see if it can impact the treatment resistant depression and PTSD, um, you know, the, again, the, way in which integrate integration um is whether that is numbers of sessions you know it's very different from what you just experienced which you just said you know you were on your own it's from what you just said um i wonder now looking back at that what do your thoughts are around integration or has integration and other um plant-based experiences you've had um have you has it been the same the same um uh way in which you've integrated post the experience um yeah that changed dramatically <laughs> and my my willingness to receive has changed I, I feel that's the biggest catalyst for that this initially i would throw stones and say oh no one was there for me and and as I mature, I look back and I validate that people were very much there. I just wasn't willing to receive and allow them to support me through the filter in which I was seeing life. Like when you mentioned before, people talk about life changes afterwards. I, I see it a little bit differently that the filter in which I experience life changes so dramatically. Therefore, my perception of what is has changed as a result. It's yes. not that life is any different to life was. The thing that's changed is me energetically, vibrationally, the frequency at which I hold in my body, which is in my exploration and curiosity where trauma is stored. They still don't know whether it's fascia or cell or whatever it is, but like love and I'm so curious about different sort of trains of thought and that there's the um, the body keeps the score, the book, and um, in different ways, and the, my fascination with the mechanics and the synergy of of how we work from subconscious to conscious to neural pathways to sort of the way we physically present, and then the whole spiritual aspect above that. It, it's it's such an intrinsic experience, and I believe we are as different as we are similar. And understanding the similar parts as a vehicle to then explore the different parts is something that I feel for me personally around integration was a gateway to embodiment because I, I feel that's the gold. Like you can go and have all this inside and dabble into healing and unless that wisdom is then embodied into you as a, subconscious expression something that is you beyond the little five percent of your conscious mind you haven't quite gotten the gold inside it's there but you're not accessing it in in, in a way that is just autonomous from that point on and do you think now um you see um that part different i mean differently I mean, you said in terms of the perception difference and um, uh, the way in which you see or one sees, um, you know, the world, whatever, and us within that world. 
do you do you have um a recommendation even in terms of how integration um is best supported and in that broad sense of integration i'm not i'm saying it it's yeah not necessarily you've um, three sessions and um you know you're out that kind of thing but any I ideas around how to get to that embodied way and, and I, I feel it's such an individual thing and there's some um, underlying ones that show up more often than not and nature's one like na nature is such a grounding modality to to be and, and i find the actual we touched on it, the environment of your experience I understand the formalities and the legislations around doing things in hospitals. And I also feel that's not the place for the medicine. I get it. I get it. There's going to be a transition and there's going to be sort of pretty scrutinized early. And if that happens, I feel getting into nature, a safe place in nature, water is another really cleansing aspect to it. I adore breath work and I feel any form of deep dives should come after an educational period of understanding of how we work and how to anchor into those moments. And breath for me has been a fascination since that very first meditation and understanding it's one of two things that move beyond the conscious and the subconscious mind. We breathe without conscious thought and we breathe with conscious thought. Blinking's the other one, but I don't find anywhere near as much impactful ramifications from blinking a lot. There are a few things, but uh, understanding just why nasal diaphragmatic breathing is so beneficial to the human state and how we can gear that through experience so when we are moving into those heightened states and meeting those traumas, that we're not re-traumatizing. And, and the mechanics of that for me is breath, is meeting those really high-level traumatic experiences, being in the sympathetic. And I'm unsure if you've looked much into polyvagal sort of Stephen Porges' work, like sort of going into that dorsal vagal, like that second tier of parasympathetic high energy, like just jumping like usually jumping out of your skin and for me when i gear that the sympathetic high sympathetic is fight or flight and in my experience the next level in that is freeze or fawn and that they were my experiences in extreme trauma was just i'm done whether it's disassociation or i'm surfing the astral realm i am out of this physical being and my biggest tool and my biggest suggestion is to have some degree of understanding around managing through breath, through relaxing your body and understanding your gears in terms of the whole mindset of that gamma, beta, alpha, theta, delta. Like I, I love processes and systems and I've geared myself to be able to breathe and put myself in a physiological state for the environment. Right. So like, what am I doing here? I'm really high energy. I want to go and bang out a session at the gym. I breathe in a certain way and, and I check where I am and where I want to be. 
I know how to breathe to get where I want to be. If I'm too high, I know how to then gear down into a state that is suitable for that. And I feel that basic understanding of how to manage energy, frequency, and vibration within the constraints of healing with medicine it is such a dynamic and beneficial tool pre, post, and during anything like sort of uh, around that when you're meeting parts of yourself that you've told yourself you should never go near. Um, yeah, it's a, you know, the notion of breath because, you know, it's with us from when we are born till when we are not and somehow the more subtle layer of ourselves, um, the breath being an integrator itself um, and it's ours as in ones. So, um, allowing us to understand that and be able to kind of regulate that is certainly something that is um, uh, is an area to um, look at both obviously before and um, after. I wonder, um, I'm thinking also my, you know, someone who, like my sister, as an example, who would try the kind of um, to connect with breath um as an example or some modality she had a lot of nerve pain um as well um so pain the actual sense of pain um was a big part of her suffering um as an example and i mean the way you described in terms of the three times and with the um, injuries you um dealt with how is pain how does pain play a role um these days for you yeah, it's 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 an interesting topic for me because it, it it was such a big part of my life um, because it was a it was a conduit to connection for me when I didn't have a verbal capacity. I would connect through other people's pain through a really dark side of empathy. I would, uh, yeah, I would people would feel great after they were in contact with me because I would take their pain from them and I would transmute and alchemize that and it would be a way for me to feel as though I was adding something and this is all in deep hindsight and yeah I was always that dude at a party that people would come to who people, my other friends had known forever and within two minutes they are telling me shit that is just never left their mouths before in their entire life like and that's something that i have only started to validate and see the positive side of um the more deeply i've met my own trauma and pain and during that as well being able to see that element of compassion oh that of compassion that lives inside of empathy that's positive being able to empathize with someone compassionately for me has been a developmental process and expansion on a system that i know all too well is connection through someone being down me being here and me coming down to meet them in their suffering take their suffering they get elevated <laughs> then i'm here having to process this stuff and move back up over time, like sort of, uh, and, and I feel there's a complete 
I, I see the benefit of that because I'm so centrally attuned to other people's suffering. And where you look at clear sentinel beings, people through experience and through things learn to develop. When someone loses their eyesight, their hearing and other senses grow, I feel my sensory ability to feel was a protective mechanism that was expanded upon because of the danger of my environment. I didn't know whether to run to my father or run from my father. And I had to sense that rather than have a conversation about that because I didn't speak. So I was developing this, this modality unconsciously as a form of protection. And then off the back of that, the way I connected with people was to make them feel better and take their energy from them and looking at ways that that's a positive through an experience of potential negative was a real highlight for me in terms of how I look to be of service now through compassionate empathy, not through an energetic exchange of empathy. Yeah. Wow. That is a, I mean, that's intriguing. I think that the, the, um, so in the, so what do you do to make sure that it isn't the energy, um, exchange for you or how do you equalize? Um, I mean, you talked about breath work, um, plant-based, um, you know, therapy as well. Um, how do you find your, how are you going at the moment in, in relation to that? <laughs> yeah I, I i still see plant medicine as a, a big part of my life when i feel called and i also see it as a bridge to an experiential understanding of stuff that i could never have fathomed or imagined possible okay. until that experience was upon me and that i can do that myself like it's ultimately for me it's been a conduit to responsibility. Like I'm responsible for everything in my life. I'm not a tree. I can move around. I can have discussions with people and distance myself from environments, people, all these things. I'm, I, I lived, I don't know if you've done much work with the Kaufman drama triangle. Um, no. Three points of access on that, are the hero, the villain, and the victim. So these are below the line expressions and I, it's called the drama triangle because you just get caught up in the drama of the different hats and the different sort of um, spaces that we uh, look to get things in this really low level, low vibrational exchange. And um, yeah, my first part of my life, I was a hundred percent a victim and I played the role to a T like it's just, yeah, it's just, trying to get compliments externally, trying to get validation externally. And that was a big part of, of my roller coaster in being a professional athlete is when you weren't playing well and you are judged by peers, coaches, organizations, and the media. Like people talk about you like to a mass audience, like you were shit this weekend. So that would influence me so dramatically because everything was external nothing was internally generated where now 
consciously and with intent, I have an 80, 20 Pareto's law sort of for me is a really good foundation for most of my systems and processes. And I consciously, continuously look to generate all of my own energetic, magnetic, chemical, and biological sort of needs myself. And this is being crafted through experience unconsciously for a couple of decades, but consciously over the last 10 years, healing myself and understanding the parts of myself that are similar to yours and then the other half of me that is completely and utterly unique to me. And plant medicine has been the catalyst for that curiosity of relationship and the depth and width that I've been able to explore to then come back to the responsibility that I am ultimately that chemical manufacturer that can create DMT within my own experience as a breath work and a physiological cue that you push the spinal fluid up you know, from the sac and the base of your spine into the penile gland and flush your rhombohedron crystals and then you release DMT and you have these alpha body experiences with no external inputs like I can do holotropic breath work, I can do intermittent hypoxic breath work and shut down the part of my brain that looks forward and is looking out for danger all the time and be so present to be able to delve in with intention and curiosity into healing around insight and wisdom. And, and these things, for the most part, are not spoken about in modern society. And we look for that external victim mentality I need to go to this person for them to tell me what to do. I need to listen to this person because they know what's best for me rather than the reverse of that is exploring with curiosity what is best for me and why. Like, And, and I tend to work in extremes and when I was looking to save my sister's life, I went into permaculture organics around sort of nutritional, mineral, microbial density and gut health and polyvagal and, and all the different stuff around creating internal abundance. That was what came to me that if I created super internal abundance, the energy that made the body would heal the body. Wow. And it, has it looks as though you've been moving the i mean people who are not watching this uh, then is definitely moving every <laughs> moving both <laughs> you look you look symmetric even though i know in some ways um we're never exactly um symmetric um i think the aspect of an internal abundance is um to experience that as opposed to it being an aspiration um I think that anyone listening would, you know, it's like you would want, you know, you would want to experience that um, internal abundance. Um, I suppose for people who are possibly looking into psychedelic assisted therapy, um, how do you feel um, or what would you consider um, just kind of uh, thoughts or advice more thoughts but advice as well in terms of people kind of going down this road yeah i'm mindful to speak outside of my own experience because that's that's 
before I know it. And my suffering and my inability to manage or cope with that proportion, I, I think we all have a tolerance and, and a capacity. Like, and, and for whatever reason, it is what it is. It can diminish and expand in accordance with, with how we are and what we ingest and our environment. And, and, and I had reached <laughs> the absolute fullness of that expression and that suffering. And, and I, I don't believe suffering is the only way to get there. I, I believe curiosity and, and sort of, you can reach it in, in other ways. Mine was suffering. Mine was, I was overloaded. And for whatever reason, that person, that modality came into as an offering. And, and it was super intimidating to be in a space of, of that magnitude of not knowing what yeah. this what this is. And it, it took a divine degree of trust and faith to, to act upon that. And I feel this stage of our raise in consciousness, what has happened in the last three years around people's safety and feeling that lack of protection and so much movement around not being able to do this and not being able to do that and this external pressure it's brought up a lot of stuff for a lot of people. That's my experience. That's my experience individually. That's my experience in my community and through talking to different people all over the world. There's a need for people to be able to process stuff that is beyond their capacity and tolerance to do alone. And whether you want to buy into the mechanics of it with the science, whether you want to gravitate towards the spiritual aspect of this, or just the the people that there's decades of research around this. It's not this thing that's just popped up over the last three months and we're banging the drum about. There is just so much positive antidote like just it's there for you to look at and I validate how intimidating that would be to know that the part of you that's going to be looked at is a very tender, sensitive, and really unique experience that you've probably told yourself you're never going to look at for the rest of your life. And through this experience is, is a way of living and being that I didn't know existed. Like I didn't know I could feel by choice, this amazing in this moment, in this moment, in this moment, in this moment, this exists as it did in fullness rather than the isolated slither of that experience, knowing that my brain subconsciously and primarily is always drawn towards the negative because it is geared towards safety and protection. So that experience of that I am just getting the negative part of it because that is the radar that I need to set my subconscious neural pathway at. What the medicine did was peel the rest of that experience open for me. It showed me that as it was, allowed me to garner the insight, move through the healing that was necessary to then be able to look at that in a more holistic way and fullness that shows me both positive and negative. 
And for that, it just decreased the energetics of that experience. It didn't make it any better or any worse. It just changed the way that I looked at it. And do you think that just as we're kind of coming toward um, the last part of the session, I was wondering what your thoughts are in the kind of in the service system. So um, you've just described very eloquently and clearly, I think people will really resonate with um, with your story on so many levels. Um, Certainly I have. And I um, always um, am interested in this in our in our health system, you know, you talked about obviously the lack of safety you had as a child, um, and so there's so many areas in the system, the service system, the health and social system, our communities, in terms of protecting, um, giving protection as well as safety. But I wondered with the psychedelic assisted therapy, if you have any thoughts around how the service system, how you feel. Um, it's going to um, kind of how you think it's going to develop or what your hopes are for the um, kind of how to um, bring people who are suffering, who are needing it, who, you know, Mind Medicine Australia, the very, you know, at its very base is to reduce suicide and reduce suffering. Um, And in those order, that order, I think um, both very important. Um, and I just wondered what your thoughts are with your um, tremendous and deep background um, and varied, um, how you think the system can benefit or um, your aspirations or hopes. Yeah, and it's, it's, an, it's a really good question. And it's an interesting one, given the mechanics of our healthcare system at the moment. Um, my experience working in health uh, in the orthopedics and device section this is we've lost our way a little bit and, and we're treating symptoms rather than cures and i felt that that was part of the initial resistance to something like this that could heal so much of the cause so then the symptoms were dissipating dramatically um there's certain percentages that are thrown around that up to 80% of people go to see GPs for emotional and mental disorders rather than physical ones because the physical ones are, are just a manifestation of what's going on in the mind and the nervous system around sort of signals that it's sending that we just I'm not sure how to interpret. Like, the, I definitely got early warning signals about my neck years before I went into an acute phase, and I'm just like, oh, yeah, whatever. Like, sort of, uh, it, it is what it is as a foundational element of our ability to to get this medicine into those most at need. Because, yeah. Suicide has, has taken another turn in the last three or four years. And some of the figures around how young people are taking their own lives at the moment, it, it is literally, literally heartbreaking. To, to sit with people, I've had multiple friends um, take their own lives. And yeah, it's, it's, it's no game. And for whatever reason, 
it's kept in the dark to a degree and and this modality and this beautiful medicine i feel whatever environment it's initially facilitated through is going to be of benefit because it's so powerful it's it is just so powerful and we will learn how best that is applied over time and individual sort of preference uh, i love the idea of having animals in the room where people sit with medicine or, or, or any form of connection to nature if, if these things can have access to being able to go out on the grass and access the the resonance of the earth the human resonance like it's a it's a thing to ground into when you're connecting into nature and your nature that's what i feel this is it's a divine connection to nature that we've lost because the ego mind of the human wants to be this dominance over nature and bend its will like looking at agricultural systems that have been put into place that have no nutrients no minerals and are awfully covered with pesticides and glyphosate like we are trying to twist something that is so beautiful and abundant and decrease its value as a result when nature will be the way and and path back to being grounded in ourselves like and and, and i have this unwavering faith that in, in whatever form it is administered the shockingly positive results of that will find a real buoyant wave to then work on the detail of just how best that is applied over time um what do you think um in terms of people who are um you know listening who um are in so much um you know you've got experience with tremendous physical pain um as well as um mental and i know that the combination or what comes first is often can be um you know from a unwell mind um what would you say to people who are listening who who are you know their degree of suffering whether they are the victim or whether they are having a physical injury um which you really your story really touches on a number of different aspects which is um quite incredible um yeah, I guess for those that don't have, um, yeah, they're not, they're certainly not, um, they're not feeling the hope or connection. Yeah, and I, I, I guess, but firstly, I'm not- A hard sure. question. <laughs> that's, a, I, I, that's a nervous laugh that I just did. That's what happens when I'm like, okay, now I'm getting into territory. I um I suppose um I do, I always, you know, I do think back as well, um, you know, again, reasoning why I'm, you know, here probably in this moment, you know, um obviously someone close as many people have who um just didn't have um in the end, she was in as an example, um, she wasn't a lot of nerve pain and without going into detail around that, um, you know, nerve pain is very real. You're one of, you know, you, uh, many people who have nerve pain, it's, um, it's, it's, um, it's seemingly got, um, more, 
uh, <clears throat> there was more and more nerve pain and we could, you know, and then with different um, concoctions of pharmaceutical um, drugs, as well as trying, you know, in terms of, you know, the different modalities, breath work, you know, meditation, um, you know, movement based and, um, you know, I guess the challenge is when you, when you feel that there's the connection that you don't have the connection internally um, or outwardly, you know, I think that's the hardest, you know, that's the hard, that's a really tricky space, which is why I think, you know, why we're talking about this around the, the, the potential of the plant-based um therapeutics and um i will say and you know i know it's also not a magic bullet um i keep saying that i you know there is you've done a lot of work you know and you've just you know we're witnessing your story of a lot of work that you um seemingly can you know you are continuing to do in the kind of performance space but also the kind of you know um the aspect of breath work um, etc so it's I know it's hard to you know I don't think there is words I know I tried to find the words or I tried to find as an example with my sister but people listening might be someone else who they're um, potentially caring for or for yourself for oneself um, yeah there's not one 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 magic um, aspect that gets gives ourselves our sense of wholeness and abundance inner abundance um and it seems as though you have been able to um you know you have a number of things modalities etc that now and you also haven't re um, mentioned your two children custodian of two children you haven't mentioned that yes yes my babies it's uh that's been such a a journey within itself but i i, I I'd love to validate the sort of care and, and, and concern you, you still hold for your sister. I, I, I resonate with that deeply. I don't feel carers or the cared are given enough space and airtime in this part of the world. I, I feel one of my gifts of, of living all over the world has been the perspective that there's so many different ways to do this version like and, and that's what i loved about europe my time in europe and in ireland is is the connection it's the connection and the care and the curiosity around how best to serve like it's not i have found in this part of the world we're very regimented and we're so new in terms of our A maturity of a, of a country and of a developmental sort of uh, synergy around finding our way. We've had so much more time to move beyond that first stage of simple through that degree of complexity into the second simple. And it, it, the word came up multiple times when you're speaking around connection, connection to self and connection to others. Yeah. And Personally, when you're speaking about that initially, it took me back to my childhood. I, I, I felt I had no one, like no one. These awful, heinous things kept happening to, happening to me over and over again. And for whatever reason, no one was there to hold me. And, and that can create a degree of despair 
and unworthiness and and all sorts of different things through the individual expression that that sets in stone in that subconscious that feeling the external environment may change completely but that is there irrelevant of where you go what you do how you behave how you believe you're seen that is the underlying essence of who you believe you are yeah when we can be really deeply curious and feel safe enough to explore that part of ourselves in whatever fashion like plant medicine's a great great place in my experience to open up the potential that this wasn't fixed this was dynamic i could change this i could have moments in time that were so impactful that it shifted the very essence of the way i experienced and saw life as as it as it happened and and for some and in my own experience there's tons of depth within that that are just overwhelming and i i, I get i get that that becomes a viable way to release yourself from that suffering because i truly believe some suffering is beyond this realm and I'm not sure what you see as, as the next step, but plant medicine has shown me that energy never goes. And I have had multiple experiences with my siblings and my child over time, whether that is imagined or it is part of a different energetic field or another level of consciousness I am not 100% sure what it is, and it has been the most beneficial thing around processing degrees of grief and anger and rage and confusion around that. Yeah. that still to this day, I, I sit in utter gratitude and appreciation for irrelevant of what it is it, it happened for me yeah and I think it's it's probably a a useful I could speak all day um which would be nice so maybe we can continue the conversation I say that it, uh with anyone I've been it's been a you know and you can I know um any listeners as well it's been a obviously a um a personal exploration around how we engage with suffering um, and yes, of course, the reason, you know, my, you know, having been, you know, uh, someone close to me, my sister, um, at, as an example, um, but then how we, um, how we just relate to suffering. I think that, um, you know, your story um, with so much, you know, again, there's these polarities um, that I, you know, with what I've, um, the, the ability to hold um, both um you know where someone isn't um as opposed to there being one way of looking at something you know you can either be in that victim as you were talking about that triangle um as an example and i think even in the context of being a carer you can actually use the you know uh, that diagram as well of a victim um kind of a victim mentality of you know having someone we love um, who we've lost, like your, um, you know, two siblings and um, your first child. Um, and I think that 
I think a paradigm, I guess, around how we how we engage with suffering. Um, I think in this health system, um, including plant-based medicine as well, but how just we relate to it, um, I think it's just an important inquiry um, and it's an ongoing inquiry. And we certainly, I know, um, are not um, the first to be communicating with this. Obviously it's a tenet of, you know, kind of Buddhist um, uh, way of looking at reality um, that life is suffering. That's not a negativity. It's just, that is part of our um that is our experience as a human. So how we relate to that and the diagnostics around mental health, et cetera, which of course my sister had, um, and I have as, as well in terms of diagnostic, but just how we, um, you know, I think the, the system um, has a lot to evolve. <laughs> and um, it's probably not a great place to stop in that regard, but I just... I think that, you know, it's kind of like the vision of how we can relate to suffering. And it can be even a connectivity, which is why doing these lived experience interviews is around having conversation around hard shit, um, you know, and and there is this, you know, as you were talking about, like a, a way of having an internal abundance where energetically there is a shift and that plant-based medicine can be a tool within that space. Um, I, you know, of course wanted it for my sister, but at the time she just, you know, she didn't feel that it was, um, it certainly wasn't accessible at the time. Um, so I think there's a lot of hope. Um, I guess, I don't know if there's anything that you feel as well coming on to the, um, podcast that just anything else that you feel you'd like to um, share or um, you know some anything that is kind of in the world <laughs> there's so much there's so much there's... <laughs> all right we're gonna just have to do a complete series of van Humphreys. <laughs> but but one of the things that was sort of coming through and and definitely I wanted to share was exactly the thing you just said the end like I, I felt my life prior to these modalities and these experiences and these plant medicines was based in either or I was either this or that where it just sort of opened up and created a, a degree of duality and polarity and then I was a triality within that and I moved all around. I could be both. I could be happy and sad at the same time. I could be deep in my grief and also in my praise simultaneously. Like I, I don't have to be sort of in the left part of my brain or the right part of my brain. I can be in both parts of my brain because what sits at the middle of left and right is my emotional base of my hippocampus, my limbic brain and my amygdala. So when you go into these emotions where these things that don't go here, don't go here, you're actually creating this left, right, up, down pathway. Like you're being the full expression of who you are, not only as an organ, but as a mind and then as a higher connection to self and spirit, I believe. And yeah, and like this, be both, like be, be everything. Like sort of, it, it's such a freeing energy to have access to, and we are human, so we will <laughs> fall back into old pathways and habits and ways of 
thinking and be kind to yourself when you do that like because you are human and we are perfectly imperfect by design that is the structure of us mechanically we're not meant to be perfect we're not meant to judge each other and ourselves at this unrealistic expectation of expression it's it's just false as a foundation and that's been one of the biggest things is just this level of kindness and compassion that i have this allowance and access to internally that then gets reflected out on to the other people around me and that's very different from the part of me that used to behave in judgment criticism and duration because that was my energy and that would get reflected and projected onto others and 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 this is the dance we're in it's it's such a beautiful weaving tapestry of everything being okay and perfect all at once and and well i think the a really nice um, place to um at least pause um in terms of the dance i think that you know allowing um it to be a dance even with the kind of seriousness of what we're talking um about and that perhaps in that there's a freedom there's um the ability you know to um connect in different ways again internal and um external with community etc um i think that the um at least from my gauge of um you know looking at your environment and looking at you that seems um a lot of lightness and um you know from the experiences that you've had um it could you could not to say there's no heaviness there um but it's you you know there's a lot of lightness and kind of levity um within and i think that that also with the dance aspect um are just some aspects of um a ways or pathways and you know you eloquently also said that your experience has been your experience um and that with these plant-based medicines um somehow it seems as though um there's an opportunity here for society and the community to um, we're not going to probably get it right the first time. Um, but um, I hope that even these um, interviews and have people, you know, just talking more and about the different um, different ways that we can evolve. So thank you for um, being on. Um, and, you know, you've got a shrine behind you and it looks as though that is, um, are those your two children? Yeah, that's uh, Alfie and Edie. And um, yeah, the one next to that's my sister with Alfie uh, just before she passed. So, yeah. uh, well, there's, um, it's a nice also a reminder for people as well of bringing in, um, you know, aspects of our past um, in the present. Um, and I always think that it's um, a very healthy way to, um continue to deal with people who are not with us in physical form anymore. So you have a nice reminder behind you too. And I think if we talked about it, you're going to get that. Um, there's this, there's some tattoo coming, something, something is going to. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. We talked before we came in. Um, yes. We'll see, see how that goes. Um, tattoos. Um, but there's a tree of life behind you. And if anyone wants to imagine how a tree of life with the roots and so forth, that's what is, um, that's it. That's um, being danced with. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's been an invitation for color and levity and, and sort of uh, 
Yeah, that's actually a picture of my neural pathways inside my brain when I was doing a funky meditation one day, sort of uh, seeing how all my pathways relate. And yeah, it was it was cool that there's lightness, there's color, there's darkness, and there's sticky spots, and and that will be part of the journey throughout time. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm here for it all. So uh, and, thank uh, you for coming on. We really appreciate it, and. Um... It won't be the last conversation, I don't think. Thank you so much, Deb, and I uh, love seeing your puppy pop in for a <laughs> Yes, they come, <laughs> they come in. Mm-hmm.